to the MetaZen cabinet where we get experimental about exploring your potential so you can discover your own values, the manner in which you're here to serve, and align yourself with the only certifiable rescue team you can rely on, yourself. Welcome to episode one, Changing Staircase. Today we'll be discussing emotions. Emotions is what some might call a controversial topic, but in my opinion, emotions have been important to me for a long time because growing up, I wasn't surrounded by a lot of emotional intelligence. It wasn't a lot of discussions about emotions. And But I'm grateful for how everything played out because... It brought about a change in me to be the change I wanted to see, to be someone that cared about how my actions affected other people and how their actions affected me emotionally. So I was pretty privileged to learn much earlier that uh, the kind of consequences that you follow when you avoid your emotions or just how you're feeling. So with that being said, let's jump into the episode. So today we'll be discussing emotions and how we tend to handle our emotions as humans (laughs) and how they can be a solid support system and how sometimes they can even show up as action signals to guide our everyday life. Now, before we jump in, I do want to throw out there that this episode was greatly inspired by Tony Robbins' uh, book, Awakening the Giant Within. So I do encourage y'all to go check that out. And uh, uh, another thing. A few myths that I do hope to expose as this episode progresses is one, that emotions are entirely out of your control. Two, that they randomly occur in response to the events of your life. And three, that emotions only exist to undermine your intellect, your logic. All false, but we'll get into that. Now, in the few brief decades that I've been around the block, I've come to know that we tend to handle our emotions in a series of different ways. One could be avoidance. Two, denying them. Three, comparing them. And four, actually learning and using them properly to progress. The way that I found to be most advantageous is learning and using your emotions to better yourself and your situation or wherever you are. I know sometimes it can feel inconvenient and unfair, but it just is what it is. But the truth of the matter is, is that emotions affect your actions. They affect the kind of day that you're going to have, the day that you're going to have tomorrow, the day of what's going to happen in the hour. But they pretty much guide and affect everything from your actions to the outcome, cause, effect, everything. Avoidance. Avoidance. We spend so much time and energy avoiding our emotions that 
it is crazy. Whether it's walking through a dangerous block and just feeling that thing that this isn't quite safe to be walking to this bus stop, whether it's being at a job that probably isn't making you happy anymore, but you're avoiding it because the money's good or it's not a far commute or it's some type of convenience that your mama might meddle in your marriage more than she's supposed to or your daddy offers all types of unsolicited advice that you may be in a relationship that just ain't working no more and you're avoiding it or that you may be living above your means and you just don't know and you're avoiding it. It could pretty much be anything, but we spend so much time and energy avoiding those emotions when they're only there to protect us and keep us safe. Now, one thing I've learned since I've been alive, or at least been uh, an adult, is that when you avoid your emotions, they intensify. You know, it can start out as a whisper, just trying to get your attention, let you know that something isn't quite right, that something needs to change. And then after a while, if you avoid it, it can become a scream. And it could be a scream that can be a little jolting and it can throw you off balance. You can have a stronger awareness that something just ain't right, but you still avoid it. Then one day you realize it becomes nails on a chalkboard and you can't function. You can't really do anything about it now. Now you have to sit back and listen. I've learned for myself that it's easiest to create and sustain a sense of flow when you're able to catch those issues or catch those whispers the first time around and resolve those changes and just be better and be more aware. When you allow those emotions or whatever issues you're having to get to the scream or nail the chalkboard, now you can't really be present because these issues that you've been avoiding are getting out of hand and becoming unavoidable. And you can't focus on the present because you're focusing on the past or focusing on what's wrong. Or next up, the emotional layaway that I would like to call denial, where we pretty much refuse an emotion or declare it untrue because we're not ready to deal with it, we're not ready to address it. Whether it's the fact that your business may not be doing as well and it hasn't been doing well for some time, but you don't want to. You don't want to hear it. You know it's something. In you know it, but you just don't want to hear it. You're not ready to deal with it yet. Or your son or daughter may not be following in your footsteps in terms of career and doing what you're doing. Or even trying to lose 20 pounds on a keto diet in in two weeks for a wedding that you have to go to. Whatever it may be, but just refusing to deal with something so. You deem it untrue until you think you're ready. I went through a period of my life where I think I must have experienced about maybe four to five layoffs in like a period of a year and a half. And that changed me through and through. And I tried to act like I didn't know a truth about myself that I knew. And that I was tired of working for people. I was tired of subjecting myself to a system that didn't serve me personally. Nothing against the nine-to-five culture and anyone that partakes. I fully support it, and I encourage, I, I encourage everybody to do what they have to do. But I, have to, I had to come to a conclusion in deciding that that just wasn't going to be a part of my life anymore. 
And I must say that in the almost four years since I departed and left that behind, I've been so much happier. <laughs> you know, and don't let my stifle tone fool you. I've been so much happier. And it hasn't always been easy. And it's a lot more different when your life it has to be more self-directed. But it's my choice. And I have to stop denying those feelings and embrace the next step. I was so scared because I didn't have no money saved up and the situation that I was in, it just wasn't conducive to me being successful right away to make that kind of change comfortable for me. But life decided that I had to leave anyway. Actually, not even leave. I was pushed off a cliff, if we're being frank. But I appreciate the push now. <laughs> not so much back then, but I appreciate it now. And then we have the notorious comparison, or how Tony Robbins calls it, competition, where we pretty much try to outbid each other in our painful emotions or painful experiences. You know, let's say you have three or four friends and they're all roommates. Or let's say we have four roommates and one comes home. You wouldn't believe the kind of day that I had. And then another friend, no, you wouldn't believe the day that I had. I was working and someone almost spit on me because they were mad. And then another one comes with an interjecting idea that exceeds the last person. And next thing you know, we have a mountain of negativity piling up, which is just another bad move in terms of interpreting and handling your emotions. Now, I've fallen prey to this kind of thinking myself, and I'm not trying to make anyone wrong, judge anyone for that matter. It's just I want to point out the unhealthiness of this pattern. We can do it so much. It can become so much or uh, it can become so woven into who we think we are that we just think it's us. And it's not. One way that I found to be very helpful in managing my emotions is definitely to journal. I know a lot of people suggest journaling and even more people don't always know where to start. So I'll tell you what I did. Uh, I actually found a book online by Hannah Brain called The Year of You. And the way it's set up is she gives you 365 journal writing prompts uh, regarding a ton of different topics from money to growth to change. And for each month, you get 30 different uh, prompts regarding money or whatever that thing may be. And... What I do is I pretty much every day I journal and I don't allow the journaling to exceed about three to five minutes because if it feels like work, if it feels like something that's going to be challenging to continue, I'm spending too much time doing it. And I just need to keep it simple so I can manage it every day. But that book is called Hannah Brain's Year of You. And lastly, just learning to use and understand your emotions. Recently, I went to the nail shop with my partner. We decided we were going to get uh, manicures and pedicures for a wedding, a friend's wedding that was approaching. My partner was seated and served first, and then I was invited to a chair to begin the pedicure process. And right away, I noticed that there was, you know, the pedicure uh, bowl that you sit your feet in. I noticed that there was a 
bowl full of water with suds in them, but, you know, there was no vibration. There was no magic happening. But I was instructed just to just sit there and just put my feet in water. And while she did someone else's feet, and this was going on for about maybe 15 minutes, and I just was thinking to myself, is this worthy of me? Why does this feel wrong? Why am I following through with this? Next thing you know, I found myself questioning lots of things. And I determined right on the spot that I had to leave. I needed to go, that this wouldn't be the experience for me. The energy circulating, it was just a ton of different things. And I decided that I needed to bust move. And that's what I did. The act of walking out of the shop felt a little intense and rebellious, which... I can be very rebellious, but it just felt a little intense in that moment because I've never did that. And I usually suck it up. It's just, it's okay. I'll just get it done and it'll be all right. But something in me that day wasn't going to settle. And I'm glad I did. As I walked to the car, I just felt that spiritual pat on the back. Like, I spoke up for myself. I showed up for me. And that's the same thing that we need to do with our own emotions, whatever the situation may be with you. And this was such a hard streak for me to break over the years because I was groomed to be a people pleaser and to pay attention and manage everybody else's needs besides my own. And this isn't blaming anyone or making anyone wrong. It was just the example that I received. And it took so many years to break that up. I still have twitches here and there. But nowadays at 31, I know that I have, it's, it's either me or you. It's me or you, and I got to show up for me, and I just got to go with my gut. You probably had a, a bad first date that left you feeling like there's no future here or there's really no chemistry, but if you haven't been getting a lot of rhythm on the dating tip, then you might deceive yourself into believing that it doesn't have to be anything serious, so... I can just avoid these feelings and just continue to date this person and until they violate a boundary or a major rule or value in your life. And then you want to blame them for violating you when you violated yourself, when your emotions told you from the jump that this is not to be trusted and that this is not for you and you decided to pursue forbidden fruit. In my experience, emotions allow, allow us to take more accountability and responsibility and less room for blaming other people and holding other people accountable for making us happy or not doing whatever we want them to do. In my opinion, the people who are the most unhappy are typically the people that are out of touch with their feelings or their emotions, if you will. They find them silly and inconvenient. Or the people that allow their emotions to run their lives. The people that see their emotions as facts, as opposed to just a support system, a nudge, an awareness. They're there to help sharpen your focus. Emotions affect the actions that you take, the decisions that you make. They affect what you believe in. So if you spend a lot of time avoiding your emotions, comparing your emotions to other people, and denying them, then you can pretty much bet and bank on an uncomfortable life. And life is uncomfortable because change is constant, but you can expect a life that will not be the most enjoyable. 
because you're mismanaging something that's critical to your development and your evolution. Anyway, moving on. I want to thank y'all again for tuning into the MetaZen cabinet where we get experimental about exploring your potential. I have so many high hopes and goals for this podcast and this is just the beginning and I look forward to all the time that we spend with each other. I appreciate it so much. So let's jump back into it. Now over the course of my life, I haven't really had a choice in ignoring my emotions like that because I identify as an empath. If you don't know what that is, we'll definitely get into that in later episodes. But I identify as an empath, and as a result, I didn't always know how to manage my emotions. I've just gotten better recently within the past few years, but they used to run my life, and I experienced them as facts. And it was just really a big mess. A lot of my life experience hasn't always been about the warm, fuzzy feelings, but more so the rough and negative emotions that call you to take action or do something different, or the action signals, as Tony Robbins puts it. Action signals show up to tell us that what we're doing isn't working and that we need to change the situation or that we need to change the approach, whether that's the current perception that you have of a situation or an experience or an event, or the way you approach it, the way you're communicating your needs and desires or even the action that you take. So often you see the people that have problems or issues and you hear them say, I've done everything I can do. I've done everything that I can do. And the truth of the matter is that if you've done everything that you can do, the situation would have changed already. But to know that when it comes to receiving these action signals that you're to either change your perception, your procedure, or your action, that gives you something a little bit more concrete to implement when it comes to figuring out the problems that you're having. More often than not, I find with most people, including myself, that when we have any real issue or major issue, that the problem usually starts with the perception of the matter. And communication is just so valuable to me because I feel like whether we know it or not, we're communicating our perception all the time. People let you know where they stand in life, what they believe to be true, what they believe to not be true, etc. Tony Robbins said that we can change our perception by simply changing the question that we ask ourselves. Most of us, when things are usually wrong, we usually ask ourselves or we usually say incessantly, I don't see what I'm doing wrong. I just don't know what I'm doing wrong. What did I do? Am I being punished? These are all terrible, terrible questions that do not bring clarity. They don't bring insight, and they just don't get you to the next step. For me, I like to use, what should I be aware of? What should I be aware of? Or, how can the situation align me with my deepest contentments? And that's just me. You may find your own, but come out of that negative mindset of one, making you wrong, and two, being reactive and taking the situation personally. I read in an Iyanla Benzant book 
that before we're born, our souls choose a spiritual curriculum. And in that spiritual curriculum, it includes a plethora of life experiences and life assignments that we're to experience when we get here. And I found that pretty interesting because I know lots of situations and experiences are most times, if not all of them, are done, are doing. They're bigger than us. It's a larger design at work. And that understanding helps me not take life personally when there are some uh, less undesirable moments or situations taking place. Just being aligned with the fact that all of these experiences are pretty much helping me get back to God. Anyway, there are 10 action signals that Tony speaks of in his book, Awakening the Giant Within, but I'm only going to mention five. The first one is discomfort. The second one is fear. The third one is hurt. The fourth one is anger. And the fifth one is frustration. Now, what I love about this book is that it's so straight to the point and it gives excellent insight. So to jump right in, the first action signal is discomfort. And with discomfort, anything that includes impatience, boredom, unease, distress, or even mild embarrassment sends a message that something just ain't right. Something needs to change. This is one of your more lower level action signals, so to speak. You can have that frappe, latte, whatever it's called before work every morning, knowing that you're lactose intolerant and knowing that that's going to affect you in a way that gets in the way of the work. And you feel that discomfort, you feel that energy, you feel that dread, that something needs to change, but it tastes so good and it's so thrilling in the moment. You need to bust a move, do something different. The next action signal is fear. Fear is the anticipation that something's going to happen soon that you need to be prepared for. Now, I can remember one particular situation that comes to mind with fear, and it was the very first time that I was laid off from a job. I was working at a call center at the time, and it had bunches of different accounts there, and we started going through a period where I saw about maybe seven accounts laid off within the course of about maybe three weeks. And then I started hearing the whispers that it would soon affect the account I was working on. And that kind of freaked me out a little bit. So I tried to get about the business of scheduling interviews and, you know, trying to get a jump on the layoff. I had a bunch of different interviews, but nobody hired me. So that made me go into overdrive on the panicking tip, if you will. But what ended up happening was I still ended up getting laid off. And it pissed me off. It scared me. I felt like a failure. I felt like a bum. <laughs> like all of the above that you could think of. But after being at home for about a month and a half and drawing my unemployment for the first time, didn't even really know that it existed like that. But after being at home for a while, I, one, realized I wasn't happy. And two, I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I realized that I was on autopilot and that I really needed that break to reevaluate my priorities, my direction, and where my life was going. It taught me that there can be a side of employment separation that can be positive, 
may not necessarily feel like it. You may not necessarily know that right off top, but in the long run, it usually is. Mel Robbins said to always assume good intent and always assume that everyone has good intent for you, whether they're honoring you or dishonoring you. Always assume that life has good intent. So with the layoff, it was definitely one of the first major experiences in my life where I started learning how to make the good and the bad part of the flow. I started to change my perception by just challenging myself to believe in every situation that this is working for me. This is setting me up for something I can't see or that I don't know about. And it took a while to believe it and for it to feel real, but I knew that in what I was believing and in the perception that I had before, it wasn't empowering me. It wasn't healing me. It wasn't taking me to the next level. So I had no choice but to reprogram my mind in a different way and take a risk. I had nothing to lose, and you don't either. The next action signal is hurt. And hurt is generated by a sense of loss or feeling like some major expectations in your life have not been met. I spent a long time or just a large chunk of my life, most of my life, if you will, feeling hurt and very hurt by my family and uh, because I felt like they weren't what society defined as your traditional parents. They're not what you discuss in the media. And that allowed me to resent them and furthermore resent myself and just take myself down a winding road of pain and misery that was all self-imposed by me. In practicing the assumption of good intent, I started that started getting around and spread into other areas of my life. And I heard Yana Van Zandt say in watching one of her shows, she was like, what if you entertain the idea that they did the best that they can? Just entertain that. Try to entertain that, journal on that, pray on that, meditate on that for about 30 days or so and really allow that to sink in the best way that you know how and just see what happens. And then me entertaining that idea, just in the entertainment of it, I realized myself developing more empathy and more compassion for them and their story, their life story, whatever they must have went through growing up and just anything else, realizing that if they would have been who I wanted them to be or what I wanted them to be, I wouldn't be me. I wouldn't have this fervent passion to bring out the best in everybody, to want to speak life into everybody. I wouldn't have this rage and passion to want to change the world, heal the world, make the world a better place and more accepting for everybody. I wouldn't obsess over self-mastery. I wouldn't be the kind of communicator that I am. I wouldn't be as ambitious as I am. And I wouldn't have the relationship with myself that I have. So with a lot of time and inner work going on, I realized that they were the Hogwarts that I needed the whole time. They were a part of God's plan and making me exactly who I am. And I love them for that. I love them for all the sacrifices that they've made for me to be here and be me and stand in my power. And... I can never repay that from them. But it took me going through those years of whining and be 
miserable and mad and angry to get to this point, but hurt. If you're hurt, if you're hurt about anything, challenge yourself to change the perception. If it's with your parents, if it's with your husband, your wife, your kids, whatever it may be, challenge yourself to change the perception. How can you flip the perception and see it differently? I would definitely suggest, one, that you assume good intent. Assume that everyone's doing the best with what they have, that they're giving you the best. Try to understand that before you got here, your soul signed up for a spiritual curriculum of its own. So in your being here, you're destined to experience certain things, certain events, certain situations, certain relationships. They're predestined in your life and they're going to happen whether you want them to or not. Whether it's, you know, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever, your children, all of those are part of your life assignment. And whatever experience, whatever hurt that you're experiencing right now, that hurt is a part of your assignment too. So just see it as a part of your process and see it as a part of your growth and how you need to grow and change for yourself and the world. The next action signal is anger. Anger is one of very important rules that you hold for your life has been violated. This can definitely be one of the more intense action signals. I just spoke about it uh, previously a moment ago, in addition to hurt, but anger. I find that with most people, when it comes to anger, they have broken laws or broken rules in their life. And nine times out of 10, they don't even know that the rule has been broken. They don't know that they've broken the rule or they've allowed someone to break the rule. And the mind still knows what's going on, so you're still experiencing anger. You just don't always know why. So in order to heal anger, you have to be willing to address the anger head on. You have to be willing to talk about it. You have to be willing to sit in it. You have to be willing to admit how it made you feel, even if it made you look or feel stupid or if it made you feel embarrassed or whatever denigrating you know, thoughts or feelings that it brought about in your life. You have to be willing to change the process. You have to be willing to alter or change how you communicate your needs or desires, whether that's to someone else or to yourself. Sometimes we don't know what we need or we don't know who we want. And I find when you don't know what you need or what you want, that comes from not knowing who you are. Now, I feel like I've always had a pretty decent sense of knowing who I am in terms of identity, but that has grown tremendously over the years. But in all the darkness or the times where I didn't know what I wanted or what I desired, I started to spend time around people who did. I started to read books and watch videos on YouTube about people who did. People like Tom Bilyeu and Mel Robbins and Damon John and Gary Vaynerchuk were or are people that still very much so inspire me to this day. I usually binge watch their videos every day just so I can feel like I'm surrounded by that sense of excellence and greatness and holding myself to a higher standard. I found a channel on YouTube by a woman or lady uh, called Erin uh, on, uh, on Demand. Her name is Erin. And Aaron is an entrepreneur, and I found a channel about maybe a couple of years ago. And I used to binge watch, still do, binge watch her videos 
and just get in tune with what I want to be, what I want to do. And it started becoming clear to me between her and all the other people that inspired me that I'm an entrepreneur. So one of the first things that I had to realize was that I had to put an end to working the nine to five culture because it was making me angry. It was making me bitter. I didn't have gratitude in my heart and it was just bringing out the worst in me all the time. Like anything, I've learned that God never gives you more than you can bear. So even though I didn't know, I didn't feel ready to make that decision because I felt like I haven't saved up enough money. I wasn't in a particular situation, my living situation. Everything was just topsy-turvy and I didn't know what to do. I knew I had to leap. And I've also been developing this understanding that when you leap, the net will appear. The net will always appear. So I had to leap. And in leaping, I found that God always centers a few good cushy pillows and some nice good shelter nearby whenever you leave. And this time was no different. And it's the same for you. Whatever you're angry about, think about it. It's controlling you. It's keeping you from being your best. It's keeping you from being grateful. It's keeping you from being present. And none of those things are productive when it comes to achieving your own personal best. How can you change the perception? How can you look at this matter differently? What is one small step that you can take today and tomorrow that won't cost you anything to change this perception around? Maybe it's reading one page per day about from some good book that you bought about being less angry or changing the perception, reading a page when you first get up before you go to bed. Maybe it's meditating for two to three minutes a day. Maybe it's working out for two to three minutes a day, doing 20 jumping jacks like I do <laughs> before bed and when I first wake up. But just changing that perception when you realize that anything, no matter what it is, whatever you're mad about, angry about, you can change the perception about that. Whether it's the boss that you have at work that just really pisses you off and grinds your gears. You're mad about it because you choose to. They're not making you do anything. You're choosing to be offended. You're choosing, you're choosing to be set off like an alarm. And these are all your choices. When you learn how to see yourself as the problem and the solution, you realize your life can change anytime you want it to. I have definitely had the privilege of learning that your life, can, your life only changes at the rate at which you're accountable. The more accountable you are for your life, the more responsible, the quicker your life can change. The less accountable you are for your life and your choices, the slower Life can change. So when you learn how to own all of your decisions, good and bad, you're going to see the rhythm change. You're going to see yourself doing more, experiencing more, and just see the change befalling you. And the final action signal that I'm speaking of in the book is frustration. And frustration is when your brain believes you could be doing a lot better than you're currently doing. And it's typically because the solution to the problem or whatever you're doing that's not working is in range. Most times you usually know what it is you need to be doing to change the situation. But for whatever reason, you're not changing it. You're not making a difference. You're not doing it differently. Whether you're a security guard 
who's been working your job for 10 years and you've been knowing that if you get your gun card, you can immediately make maybe three to seven dollars more an hour than you've been making. But you've been making excuses for whatever reason about why you don't want to make those changes. Figure it out. Or maybe it's going back to school so you can finish your education or getting more education so you can climb higher within the company that you're currently working at. I've personally known people or I knew a woman who was actually getting her master's degree and raising five children by herself. She was getting her master's degree online and raising five children by herself. So she's taking classes, raising children, and doing the damn thing. So it's just really no excuse to whatever whatever excuse you're offering. There's no excuse. I personally have been experiencing frustration for maybe about four or more years because I still haven't figured out how to get my weight in my body where I want it to go. And that frustrates me because it makes me feel like I'm not in control of my body. And to be someone that wants to someday run dozens of companies and do all the things that I want to do, I haven't gotten to a place with myself yet where I can control my body. I can control my weight. I can control my diet. And I can control my fitness. Now, I am making strides these days because I've learned that I usually tend to start very big, whether it's wanting to commit to five days a week right off top, as opposed to start with one day. Start with one day a week for a month. Start with two days a week for, uh, for two months. Three days a week for three months. Or just one day a week for three months. Start with just driving to the gym and getting there and walking to the door and going back to the car and going home. Just start with showing up because it all comes down to showing up. And in me taking smaller, more bite-sized steps in my fitness, I've been seeing changes and they're gradual right now, but I'm in it for the compound effect. I want to alter and change my identity in the process. I want to love working out. I want to work out five days a week. And I... No, that's going to take time. That's nothing that I can just rush into. That's nothing that I can just bulldoze. So I've learned to be patient with myself and do the work and take it small. And whatever goals that I set for myself, if it feels overwhelming, if it feels too challenging, take it down a notch. Diminish it and take it down a notch until it can feel easy and effortless where I know I'm not giving up anything or sacrificing too much energy or time to fulfill this task. So in me taking those steps to change my procedure and change my perception, I've been seeing myself more apt to do jumping jack, more apt to go for a walk and do those different things. And I feel my diet starting to take or follow suit as well. So that's anybody. Whatever you're frustrated about, you don't have to be. What are you keeping yourself from? What excuses, what stories are you telling yourself? Because whatever, they're te- whatever you're telling yourself is not serving you. And you know it. No matter what conversation you have with anybody else, you know the truth. You were born with the truth in every situation that you experience or encounter. 
you know the truth. So, what now? You can say that you don't have enough time, but again, that's the story you're telling yourself. If you can take two to three minutes to brush your teeth in the morning or before you go to bed, or if you can take a minute to floss your teeth, or if you can take 10 minutes to wash the dishes, or if you can take five minutes to make up the bed, you can take whatever time you need to do whatever it is you need. If you want to go back to school, start with one class. Start with the very bare minimum and amp it up if you want to. A lot of us, myself included, with going back to school, we want to go and see if we can finish as fast as possible because we want to create some impressive feat when you need to pace yourself and take your time and do this thing right and honor yourself and give your best. You won't be doing that if you get back into school and weigh yourself down with five to six classes on top of working a full-time job and all the other responsibilities that you have. You can you can try. Some people can. Everyone's different. But, you know, if you know yourself, you know you can't commit to that fully and play full out in all of those situations, don't. Put yourself in the best position to apply yourself. Line yourself up in the best way possible possible to experience and achieve greatness because you can. And no one's going to do it for you. No one's going to rescue you. And you'll find that as you start gaining traction and taking more action, the action will create more belief. And where there's belief, there's attraction. And you'll start to attract more people that believe the same way you do and more. You'll find that there's people destined to join your journey and nudge you and encourage you along the way that may know someone who's the key to helping you start your show or helping you open that gym for your personal training or open that warehouse so you can uh, sew and create garments or whatever it is that you're after or know someone that knows uh, that has a building for sale so you can start or open up your recording studio. The sky really is the limit. Like, usually before I go to bed, and sometimes in the morning, but definitely before I go to bed, I chant a few affirmations. But one that I definitely do is that all that is possible is possible for me. All that is possible is possible for me. And maybe you should try that too and see what kind of doors that it opens up. But don't just do it so you can get something. Actually take the time to believe it because... Everything that you see happen around you is possible. It is possible. We're, as humans, we're connected to each other. We're allowed to experience. Each, we're allowed to experience each other's success, so we can see and have our world expanded in the process. There's no one around you. What, no matter what they're doing, whether they're getting a master's, having tons of children, owning a house by 30, 40, whatever. Whatever they're experiencing, you're capable of too, maybe even more. Another thing that I've learned in myself, in addition to studying and paying attention or observing others, is that when it comes to accepting and embracing change, change can be challenging for a lot of us to embrace because we feel like when we tell ourselves that we need this long dissertation of a reason of why this thing is happening to you. 
And I'm here to tell you that you don't. I'm here to tell you that God doesn't have to explain himself to you. So many of us are on our journeys and on our roads and taking this dirt road or on this particular expressway, walking and just heading towards whatever destination we're headed towards. And something seemingly negative happens and we feel like we need 101 explanations or reasons. And in that story that we tell ourselves, next thing you know, we're no longer walking, we're no longer venturing and going forward anymore. Now we're stuck. Now we're not moving. And I'm here to tell you that you can understand and walk at the same time. Do that by keeping it simple. If a job lets you go, take it as divine intervention. It was time for that to be over with. Take, do it, take it as that they did you a favor and that they just didn't want to keep you. And don't worry about why they would want to do that. Assume good intent. Assume that everything that's happening is always happening for you and setting you up for the next step, the next level. So many of us can be, we can lose jobs that made us miserable, that made us angry. And we can have the biggest attitude that this job let us go. And we know that we were miserable as hell being there. Just because the money was good or whatever we want to tell ourselves, you knew you weren't happy. And I just want us to get back into the flow of prioritizing fulfillment, prioritizing happiness. That's another thing that my family, my upbringing taught me. It probably wasn't necessarily intentional, but I learned that I don't want to be someone that works a job or works or be a part of a a system that doesn't bring out the best in me. I don't want to be someone that's just giving all my time away and I'm not creating the kind of uh, value that I can appreciate or sign my name onto. I'm just a number. I'm a number in hundreds of thousands of people and I'm not indispensable, I'm easily replaceable, and my work can be easily disregarded. That may not be the decision or the route for you. That was just for me, but whatever you're keeping yourself from, whatever change that is trying to take place in your life, embrace it because I've learned that the harder you fight it, the longer it takes for it to transpire and pass over you and keep it moving. Learn that you're not in control of none of this. You have free will to do with you what you will with your body and your thoughts and your mind, but that's all. But you're not in control of what happens to you, what takes place, but you can be in control of how you react to it, how you perceive it. Being uh, a student in life and making it a part of the process, making it another seasoned shrimp in your gumbo and just having dinner. It's not holding anything up. It's not keeping me from anything. I'm still on time for my destination and I'm not going to be late. If anything, this made me run a little quicker. Anything that's afforded me better shoes to run a little quicker or whatever, but assume good intent because it's all good intent. It's all here to help you.
I really want to take the time to thank you all for tuning into this podcast. This podcast means the world to me because I have such an undying passion to inspire and empower and compel and disrupt. And this gives me the platform to do that. Just look forward to all the time that we spend together, all the time that I get to empower you and challenge you and compel you to be greater, to do more, to take the next step, to be a better person, to generate more goodness and light in your existence and the people around you, to make the world a safer place, a more accepting place, a place of endless possibilities. So before we conclude this episode, I do want to conclude it with the era segment. So with the era segment, I leave you with three verbs or actions, whatever you prefer, that I want you to take on your life, that I want you to take today, tomorrow, next week, this month, this year, for an hour, for a minute, for a second, as long as you can manage the first letter, E, emulate. Emulate successful people. Emulate people that inspire you, people that you find yourself watching on TV or listening to a lot or a podcast or whatever. Emulate successful people. Emulate people that seem more peaceful. Emulate someone that may have or seem like they have more self-control than you do. Emulate someone that may have a better diet than you do, a better workout plan than you do, a better journaling strategy than you do. Someone that writes music the same way that you do. Someone that creates patterns for pants and shirts the same way you do. Emulate someone you deem successful or more knowledgeable than yourself. Emulate their mindsets. Emulate their habits, their procedures. Emulate their successes. And you'll find that in your emulation, they'll bring you closer to your your own identity and what it is that you want to accomplish and secure for yourself. Emulate. The next letter, R. Revere. Revere the ancestors. Revere your role models. Revere your parents. Revere all the sacrifices that they've made for you to be here. Revere all the sacrifices that you've made for you to be here. Revere your victories. Revere. Take stock. Don't forget any of that. Keep it close to you on a daily basis. Keep a picture or an art or painting or something that keeps you grounded to that reverence every day. And the final letter, appraise. Appraise your perception. Appraise your approach. Appraise the quality of your actions. Appraise your intentions. Appraise this very moment. Appraise your reactions to people when they piss you off. Appraise you. Appraise the books that you're reading. Appraise the television that you're watching. Appraise what you're putting into your body. Appraise. Appraise who you're allowing to dictate or communicate what is or is impossible for you. Appraise your influences. Appraise the radio stations that you listen to. Appraise the coworkers that you're around, the work that you're doing. Appraise the decisions that you're making on a day-to-day basis. Appraise all of it. 
So there you have it. Emulate, revere, and appraise. If try one, try two, try three, try one, even if it's just for today. Tomorrow, try another one. The third day, try the third one. Or try one for one week. Try another one for a second week. Or the third for a third week. Or build on them. Do one this week, do two next week, and three the week after. However, but take action. Apply these actions to your life. And you'll watch your life change. Finally, it's my hope and prayer. It's my goal that I encouraged you, motivated you, disrupted you. I encouraged you to think about your life, to evaluate a decision that you're making, evaluate an emotion that's probably taking over your life, an action signal that you may be avoiding. It's my prayer that I made you, or I made you look at something differently, that I help you have an aha moment or cut on a light bulb, whatever. If I was able to uh, help you experience any of these experiences, (laughs) please subscribe, download. And if I didn't, stay tuned for next week, because like I mentioned, this is the first part of a four-part series. So stay tuned next week, and there'll probably be something there for you there. So just stick with me, and we're going to make it happen. We're going to figure this out. Now, I want to thank you guys again uh, for tuning into this podcast. There are show notes available if you're interested, and I hope you join the email list so you can stay up to date on what's going on with the podcast. Lastly, thank you again for tuning in, and thank you for being an excellent friend and listener. Please enjoy your day, and I'll see you next week.